Well, praise the Lord. Isn't God good? Today is a um, holiday, so holiday weekend. Tomorrow is Memorial Day. And while we celebrate as family and friends, we stop to remember those who sacrificed all that we might have the freedom to enter today into Evangel Assembly of God and give praise to his name. I've been to Washington, D.C. and walked through the monuments commemorating the lives of those who gave the ultimate sacrifice for our freedom. I thought on the way up here how I could explain the feeling that overcame me tell you what it did do, it made me realize that I couldn't go to the Holocaust Museum afterward after I felt the emotion that flooded through me as I walked through the Korean World War II, World War I, and especially the Vietnam Memorial. I went down through the Vietnam memorial names and finally found my friend that went to high school with, Marlon Price, the only friend that I had that I know of who died in that war. The emotion. Some of it was grief, sorrow. Others of it was frustration and aggravation and there's no way I can explain to you what overcame me as I walked through those memorials and remembered those who died for us. I'm so thankful. I've met a lot of the World War II and Korean and Vietnam veterans in my life who lived and what they sacrificed. But on Memorial Day, we stopped to remember those who gave it all and shed their blood that we might have freedom of religion, freedom of speech, freedom to bear arms, and all the other wonderful privileges that we enjoy in America today was listening to some news on the way up here and the atrocity of China invading Hong Kong, now trying to take away their freedoms and how they are standing. But you and I, in this day, need to not only remember those who died for us, but we need to honor their memory by fighting for the freedoms that they died for. Because they're slowly, systematically being taken away. I don't get political, not in the pulpit. But I assure you that if the church remains silent, America will die. But I believe the church is going to be the voice of God and the voice of freedom. And we're going to come out victorious because of God. 
Well, the Lord is good, and his mercy endures forever. Would you stand? And I want us to give a moment of silence to those who gave that ultimate sacrifice. Father, I thank you that you have made us a part of the land of the free and the home of the brave. You have given us a freedom that the rest of the world can only desire. Lord, give us a renewed sense of patriotism where the flag and the national anthem, and the monuments that we have erected to those who have given so much are appreciated once again. And we can give glory to you. Lord, let our focus be upon the cross where we were liberated from sin by the blood of a precious lamb but, Lord, let us look unto the fields that are white unto harvest because of that great love and sacrifice. But, Lord, let us see the fields that are covered in the blood of those who sacrifice that we might have freedoms that others would desire to have. And may we fight for them. And trust you for them. In Jesus' name. Amen and amen. You might be seated. As I was watching television one day, it was a newscast. It was in the white, on the White House lawn. They were honoring the truckers who were bringing the goods to the places of business so that we could have sustenance in this terrible calamity. President Trump had invited a man by the name of Mike Lindell, the creator and president of MyPillow in Minnesota. Mr. Lindell got up with his cross on a chain and read from a script. And then he said, I'm going off script. And he began to preach a message. What we need to do, he said, during this time of shutdown is get back in the Bible. And began to trust the Lord. president stood behind him and when he was able to speak again he said I didn't know he was going to do that but it didn't seem to bother him I was turning the channels and just happened to hit one of those liberal news stations and a lady said Mike Lindell got up and said so and so and so and so that's how those drug addicts are as if there's no such thing as deliverance. 
Mike Lindell was a cocaine addict who has gone through ministries that liberated him because of his belief in the Word of God and his conversion to the Lord Jesus Christ. I heard him interviewed one day, and he was talking about different ministries, and the very first one he named was Teen Challenge. So recently, our board chairman contacted me and said, what do you think it would be like if we sent out some masks to every contributor of Alabama Teen Challenge? I will pay the the postage, he said. And so we called Mike Lindell and just asked him what he would sell us those masks for, for he had shut down a portion of his factory just to make masks, and he gave them, not sold them, to whomever. I didn't know that when we contacted him. And before I knew it, we had shipped to us 3,000 masks, on which we printed a small logo of Alabama Teen Challenge as a memento, but the mask is a thank you to those who had given And if you have been a contributor in the last two years to Alabama Teen Challenge, you now are in possession of one of those masks. We need more people who will give more voice to preach the word of the Lord. Not that you have to have a pulpit on which to speak or from which to speak, but you have the voice that you can share the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Your testimony. The first time that President Trump had Lindell in in the White House for a meeting, he saw the cross, little cross, And he said, are you a Christian? And Lindell said, yes. And so they went on with the meeting. And the next time he was there for a meeting, there was only one seat available, and it was next to the president. And Lindell said, who's going to sit there? He said, the president wants you to sit there because he had identified himself as a born-again believer. We need to preach the word. St. Francis of Assisi said that we all need to be witnesses for God and sometimes we should use words. Our actions oftentimes speak louder than our words. I was driving up the road today and a man was staying in the left lane and as I passed him on the right, I said to myself, you're speeding. I mean, you're, you're breaking the law. And I looked down at the speedometer, and I was doing 75, and I said, I am too. <laughs> you, see, you see, we need to be careful how we judge, lest we be <laughs> judged. So I want to share with you today about the book, the one that God has given us. In the world in which we live, there are two laws, the moral law and the scriptural law. 
The moral law is ever-changing. The scriptural law stands forever. Not one jot or tittle will be changed. It will abide as it is forever. This past week, we lost one of the greatest apologists in the history of, of Christianity, Ravi Zachariah, and he stood to proclaim the truths of this book. Now, I agree and, and, and I admit that when I got through listening to him, oftentimes I would say, what did he say? But I knew it was good. <laughs> he was over my head, but it was good because it was a defense of this book. That doesn't need defense. It just needs explanation. It just needs interpretation. We need to be homiletically correct when we expound upon it, and we need to be hermeneutically correct when we begin to expose it verse by verse. We need to know that thus saith the Lord. Turn with me, please, to Nehemiah. Chapter 8, verses 1 through 8, and would you stand please and get your exercise as we read as follows. And all the people gathered themselves together as one man, that's unity, into the street that was before the water gate, where life was symbolized as flourishing. And they spake unto Ezra the scribe to bring the book of the law of Moses, which the Lord had commanded Israel. They had a hunger to hear the word of the Lord. And Ezra the priest brought the law before the congregation, both of men and women and all that could Hear and understand with understanding upon the first day of the seventh month, or the Feast of Trumpets. It was the first day of the Jewish year. And, that, and before this time, they would play the trumpet from morning unto noon. And he read therein, before the street that was before the water gate, from the morning until midday. It was a scheduled set-aside time. Before the men and women, then those who could understand, and the ears of the people were attentive unto the book of the law. And Ezra the scribe stood upon a pulpit of wood, which they had made for that purpose it was a platform of authority. And beside him stood Mattathiah and Shema and Aniah and Urijah and Hilkai and Maniah on the right hand and on the left Pediah and Mishael and Micaiah and Hashem and Hashab. Dabadam and Zechariah and Meshulam. And Ezra 
opened the book in the sight of the people, for he was above the people. And when he had opened it, the people stood up in reverence to the reading of God's word. And Ezra blessed the Lord, the great God, and all the people answered, Amen, Amen, so be it, so be it. With lifting up of hands, which is a sign of praise, and the definition of hallelujah in the Hebrew. And they bowed their heads and worshiped the Lord with their faces to the ground, having humility. Father, make our lives available to you that we might give you praise in all things and that all that you have for us, we will partake and we will know that you are our God and in you we will trust. Abiding in your word, in Jesus' name, amen and amen. You might be seated. Nehemiah had hazarded his life to lead a group of people back to Jerusalem to rebuild the wall. The city had been destroyed by the Babylonians, and in captivity, Nehemiah had proven himself to the king, so the king sent him back to the place where he longed to be, the place of Jerusalem, so that he might rebuild that which they had destroyed. And when the final gate had been placed on its hinges and the wall had been completed at no small price of those who had worked, they began to desire to hear again the word of the Lord. The absence of the word will make us begin to falter and fail, but the presence of the word will cause us to have conviction because it will convict us by its very word. And we will trust in it and believe in it, and our faith will grow as a result of it. So we find Nehemiah and the people on this day coming to a place of unity. They were as one man, standing shoulder to shoulder, capable of receiving the word of the Lord. Move forward to the New Testament and look at Jesus saying, but tarry in Jerusalem until you be endued with power from on high. And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all in one place, and they were in one accord, unity. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as a rushing mighty wind, and tongues of fire came and sat upon each of them, and they began to speak with tongues as the Spirit gave the utterance. There is something victorious about marching into the place of God and hearing the word of the Lord and being obedient unto that word and then receiving the benefits that only comes from the word of God. 
They were in public view because God never operates in a corner. He does not live in a closet, nor does the church today live in a place of obscurity, but we live in a place of prominence because God has put us in the forefront and we are the victors in this life and we are the light of the world. The Word has declared that we are and we shall be. Well, they were at the water gate. The water gate where life flows. Without water, as I said last week, we cannot survive. But with water, we can keep trudging on. And so at the water gate, signifying the life-giving power of an awesome God, they began to hear the word of the Lord. This book should be precious to us because there are people around the world who have only portions of this book and those portions cannot be found out by government officials or they will lose their lives. This book that you have on the shelf your book, this book you have on the table, this book you have in volume after volume after volume in your care and protection should be the most valuable, precious book you have in your library. Because this is the premise on which we establish our goings and comings and all of our belief in what God has promised to us. You see, this is a road map. This describes our spiritual code. This gives us our scriptural bearings. This leads us not into temptation. This places us in a place of victory. This gives us the assurance of a future. This tells us the mistakes of the past so we will learn by them. And this gives us the assurance that in the now and now, God is still on the throne. Jesus is still sitting at the right hand of God. The Holy Spirit is still in this house. And the power of God is still available unto the saints of God who will trust and believe in Him. This is the book on which we build our faith and we trust in Him. Now, it was not only a, a time where they gathered together, but they gathered together for a period of time, a schedule time. I was a little set aback last Sunday when Brother Kay got up and all but apologized for, singing, for, for reading 16 verses instead of a shorter number. If you had been living in that day, you would have stood from 9 o'clock in the morning, in all probability, till 12 to hear the word of the Lord. And we can't stand a few verses. We need to digest the book 
We need to know what it says. We need to hear the word of the Lord. Now I come up with 9 until 12 because in 2 Kings chapter 23 and 2 Chronicles chapter 34, they read the book from 9 in the morning until noon, a quarter day, the scripture says. So we need to understand that when the pastor reads a long text, it's for our benefit, it's for our edification. It's for our lifeblood. It's so we can hear the word of the Lord. In the first church I pastored, I taught Sunday school. I was also the janitor. I also cut the grass. There were a lot of things I did in the first church, but I was 20 years old and I could handle it. Can't do it now. So I, I uh, would get in Sunday school. And in an, in an encouragement for them to read the Word, I would tell them to read whatever they wanted to read, but next Sunday we were going to see what they read. So the next Sunday I would ask, what did you read? One of the men would say, well, I read the book of Luke. Another one would say, well, I read the majority of Matthew." And I had a man named Dewey. Every time I looked at Dewey, well, I read a little, book, little bit in the book of John. Week after week, Dewey stayed in John. That's not a bad book. Matter of fact, if that's all you're going to read, it's the best book in the New Testament. But you need to get out of John. But you don't need to do like the other guy that when I pastored the next church, he was the bad guy in town. He was the mean guy. He was the vicious guy. He was the guy everybody walked around. And I made it my plan to, to, to get him saved. And did. And one night he called me. And he said, would you mind telling me what this means over here in the book of Revelation? I said, whoa, 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 whoa. whoa. Get out of that one. Get over there in John. <laughs> he wrote both of them. Get over in John. <laughs> I was reverting back to Dewey. But it doesn't matter what book you read. If you will hear the voice of the Lord, he will translate. He will give you understanding. He will help you if you will allow him. The people who were in attendance were adults and young people who could comprehend what was being said to them through the reading of the word. Those who could understand. And they stood there and they listened. And they were hungry for the word of the Lord. Now, would it embarrass you if I were to call upon you right now and ask you what you read last week? Don't get nervous. I'm not going to do it. 
But we need to understand that if we're going to drive to heaven, we're going to have to use a map, and the only map that is viable is this one. Not many folks know what an atlas is. I have one just as a souvenir and as a reminder because GPS has now taken over the atlas. But every once in a while, I like to look and see where the, the highway actually is before I get there. And you don't see that on the screen of OnStar. But I can find it in this book. If I will read it, it will give me the directions. It will give me the turns and turn and turn by turn. Direction to where I'm going. And that's to heaven. Because I want to know in whom I believe. And the way that I can do that is through this book. And trusting in him. When I get there, he and I can sit down and talk intelligently about the questions I have that I missed finding in the book. But then the people's attitude about the book is always important. They stood reverently, quietly, attentively, listening to the word of the Lord for at least three hours being read to them under the anointing of the Holy Ghost by the priest Israel. And as it was read, they gave approval by saying, Amen, Amen, so be it, so be it. It bothers me today that we don't hear that much in the house of God. We have substituted applause. And I don't, I don't have a real problem with that, except I believe that we, we need to, to say not only with our hands, but with our hearts and our mouths, this is the word of truth. Thank you for giving it to me. Thank you for sharing it with me. Thank you for being bold enough to tell the truth. Thank you for delivering your heart. Thank you for listening to the Holy Spirit. Thank you. And we have silenced our utterances before God in praise by applause to the place that when we get to the altar, we don't know how to praise the Lord. And God isn't able to use our voices and give us the Holy Spirit baptism with evidence of speaking other tongues because it isn't through the hands, it's through the mouth. So we need to say, amen. Try it one time. Right now, you'll like it. <laughs> a friend of mine and I were sitting on the front pew of the Mulga Church of God. There was an old preacher like me preaching, and we wore him out. We, we more or less did it. We more or less did it on purpose. 
we just started saying amen to him and hallelujah to him. And he got to preaching so hard and so fast. Finally, he just stopped. Why don't you all just stand and praise the Lord? He couldn't get his breath. He just dismissed us and we went home. It's like saying, sick them to a dog when you say amen to the preacher. Amen. Amen. I agree with the word of the Lord. But then the preacher needs to get up with the boldness and confirmation of the Spirit that he has heard the word of the Lord, he has heard the voice of God, he has the direction of God, and whether anybody agrees or not, he's going to deliver his heart and give praise unto the Lord with the people. And then they lifted up their hands. One of the Hebrew words for hallelujah means the raising of hands. People raise their hands in praise and adoration, giving glory unto God. And then, after lifting up their hands, they bowed their heads. With their faces to the ground. I believe when you really hear the word of the Lord, you will become lesser and he will become greater. He will be exalted and you will be abased. I believe that when we hear the word of the Lord, we will be reminded of our shortcomings. And our conviction will be greater than our pride. And we will bow our heads to the ground in humility before the Lord. We don't hear a lot about conviction anymore. We hear a lot about hurt feelings. That preacher hurt my feelings. Oh, no, the Holy Ghost convicted you. Lady walked into my office one day, and I told her what she needed to hear. She went out the door and told somebody, I can't talk to that man. Why not? Well, he just is so bold in what he says. The man who, to whom she was speaking said, well, how'd you get along with the last pastor? Well, he and I got along royally. I could, I, I, I could, I could listen to him when we talked. The man said, did you ever walk out of the first pastor's office not knowing what he really said? Oh, yeah. Have you ever done that with Brother Wilson? Oh, no. He said, then decide which one you want to hear. There's only one way to heaven. There's only one truth. His name is Jesus. There's only one book that can get us to heaven. It's the Bible. There is only one way. We need to walk in it. We need to understand that broad is the way and the gate that leads to destruction. But narrow is the way and narrow is the gate that leads to eternal life. And it's all in the book. If we will just dare believe 
in the word of the Lord. They humbled themselves, bowing themselves to the ground. Second Chronicles seven fourteen. We've heard quoted in this calamity, if my people, who are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray and turn from their wicked ways, then and only then will he hear from heaven and forgive our sins and heal our land. It's time for the church to hear the word of the Lord and let the word of the Lord convict us and cause humility to come upon us so that we can exalt and give glory unto the Lord. But there's another scripture. It's also found in the 8th chapter of the book of Amos. It's also important for us today Because it's something that's been troubling me for months. Because we're coming back to church. But when we get here, what are we going to have compared to what people had in yesteryear? Behold, The days come, saith the Lord God, that I will send a famine in the land. Not a famine for bread, nor a thirst for water, but of hearing of the word of the Lord. Amos 8, 11. When I was a kid, My dad never went very many places, but when he would go, it would be to his mom and dad's house in Massillon, Blount County. And we'd drive through here to get over to where my granddad and grandmother lived. It wasn't a long distance, but I thought it was forever. And my question, just like your children's questions are today, or your grandchildren, are we there yet? And so I asked the question of this verse. A famine, not for bread, not for water, but for the word of God. Are we there yet? And I dare proclaim that in many churches, including some Assemblies of God churches, we are. We've reduced worship down to one preaching service a week. We have set aside Sunday school, so there's no systematic study of the Word of God. And we have given small groups over to non-called Laymen that have no structure. I was teaching in another Assemblies of God district on small groups in Sunday school. 
And when I began explaining that you needed to start out a small group with prayer and a devotional, a man raised his hand. Being a good teacher, I recognized him. And he asked, why? I said, why what? Why should we start out the small group in prayer and a devotional? That was the dumbest question I'd been asked in a long time, but I didn't let him know I thought it was the dumbest question I'd ever known. Being a good teacher. And I said, because it's church. It's a part of church. It's an extension of church. And he said, I'll agree with you. And so that no, no more time would be taken up with this ignorant question, I just simply said, sir, you can do anything your pastor will let you by with. And I cut it off. One such church moved into one of our cities, establishing 75 small groups of all persuasions with very little spiritual promise in them and they continued those 75 small groups until they had a launch day for their quote unquote church and on that day with the people from other campuses and those 75 small groups where the members came out of other churches they had the largest crowd not congregation crowd in the county, not the city, on that day. We've got to get back to the Word. A man called me one day when I was in district office and said, I need to talk to you. I said, would you like the superintendent here? It doesn't matter, but, I, but you can answer my question. And he sat down across the table with the superintendent and I sitting there, and he said, my congregation doesn't want to have Sunday school. <laughs> and they were... They, they, were, they were getting that message across by not coming. And I said, let me ask you have, you, have you tried to have electives? Have you tried to, to get off of just the regular Sunday school curriculum and, and get some study groups together that, that would speak to relevant issues in people's lives today Answering questions that people are asking rather than giving answers to people that are not asking any questions. Have you tried this? No, no, no. I was in that city recently preaching, and I decided I would drive down to his building. No Sunday school and now no people. Because you, my friends, can't set the norm. It has to be by leadership that is believing and practicing this book. When I walk into a pastor's church and they say, what do you want to do? I said, I'm a guest. I'm here because of you. I'm here because you invited me. And I'm here to do what you want me to do. And I am subject to that pastor. And his leadership in that church.
because that's how it is. I'm no longer the big dog until I become the big dog. When I come into a place, I am subject to the rules of the house. And we need to abide by that. Romans chapter 10, verses 14 through 17 says, How shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? How shall they believe in him whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? So faith comes by hearing, and hearing by this book. The Word of God. The truth of God's Word. Trusting and believing in Him. So let me ask you the question. Would you be spiritually and scripturally proud to stand this morning and tell me how much you read this week? Or would you be ashamed that the book didn't get opened? I was preaching here one year, and a lady came and she identified herself as having been my backdoor neighbor when I was growing up. She um, lived with her mom and dad and sister and brother. They had moved back from Colorado to where we lived, and their house burned. And on the coffee table, lay a Bible. And on the Bible, lay a gun. Why? I don't know. And the fire consumed the coffee table. But the Bible and gun were not affected. And those people were not even Christians. But God chose the power of his word. We need to live in the book. Would you stand together with me? Would you ask God to give you a new hunger for the word of the Lord? Would you ask him to Quench your appetite to hear again, thus saith the Lord. Would you, would, would you again read the Proverbs? You could read one a day and finish it in a month. Read the Psalms. For in them we have hope and comfort and there are hymns that can be sung. Read the prophets and understand that 
We don't have to commit the same mistakes that they made in those days. Read the creation and once again say that while science may have its carbon testing and can in their minds prove that this world is millions of years old, This book said, and God on the first day created, and on the second day created, and on the third day created, and so forth and so on until it was created. I listened to Brother Kay today reading in, in 1 Corinthians 15, and there's a mistranslation there. It's, it, it, it's it's translated correctly the first time and then it is mistranslated the second time. He read it. For he said, the first Adam and the last Adam. But then on down, another verse said, the first Adam and the second Adam. Mistranslation. If there's a second Adam, there can be a third or a fourth, or a fifth. But the first translation was correct. A last Adam. Jesus is our Redeemer. He is our hope. He is our strength and our present help. He is the one who without Him nothing was created, but in Him all things were created. Would you ask God now, Father, I pray that you whet our appetites. And you give us, you give us a new desire, a new thirst and hunger for the word of the Lord that the famine won't come to our house. But we will stand in the word. We will read the word. We'll dust off the Bible. We will open it again and begin to read again and again and again. Thus saith the Lord, trusting, believing, following, being assured of your divine love and you as the great instructor that will instruct our lives and teach us all things in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Would you be seated for a moment? Let me go into the New Testament. Because I've told you about Ezra, Ezra, Ezra reading for possibly up to three hours. But we've got to go deeper. For Paul gave us instruction study to show thyself approved unto God a workman that needeth not to be ashamed rightly dividing the word of truth study it is important folks that you study the word of God as a sinner in the 60s 
I remember when it was announced that the Roman Catholic Church was going to give permission for their church members to have a Bible. For it had been forbidden them up to that time. If you go to one of their churches, you'll find they, they read from a missile. Prescribed by the hierarchy. And up until the 60s, they did it in Latin. So you had to read the Missal. Like going to an opera, and they sang in Italian, and you didn't understand Italian, so you, you read along with them as they were singing, but the same way with the sermon. And so the people remained spiritually ignorant. I love Brother Jerry Lankford. He, 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 he coached me, mentored me, loved me when I wasn't lovable, prayed for me when I was a rank sinner, helped me when I got saved. I love Jerry Lankford, but I don't trust him. Well, 100% when it comes to the book, nor do, should you trust me. All of us are susceptible to mistakes, but... We need to know what this book says so that we can help one another. So study. So let me encourage you, if you will, to do a word study or a topic or a book or a chapter. Take it and dissect it and study it. The books that you need, I'll list them as important in their, in their importance to me, and that's, you need a concordance. So you can find the word you want to study and look it up a number of times to see if it means the same thing all the way through Scripture. Then you need to find a good commentary that will help you understand what you're hearing and you're reading in the word of the Lord. But everybody should have a good study Bible. I'm almost embarrassed to bring this to church because it doesn't look worn, but this is my preaching Bible. I have a Thompson chain reference Bible from my library that I had to put in a binder because it's fallen apart. But when I read a verse, I can look over in the side column and I can find numbers and I can go back to the, to the back of the Bible and find the numbers and I can read scriptures or find scriptures that pertain to that same verse or teaches the same thing all the way through the book. And I have worn it out. If you, if, you were to, if you were to see my strong concordance, the cover's falling off of it. It's just hanging on by a thread. 
because until I found a study program that I could get on the computer, I just dug in to that concordance. But another study Bible is called the Spirit Study Bible, written by Assemblies of God authors. It's called the Fire Bible in China because the Chinese preachers who got it as a free gift because of people like you giving themselves like fire. And when they would get it, they would hug it up. Precious word that they had not had. The word of God. Now let me close. by just doing a little word study. In 1 Corinthians chapter 12, there is a listing of all the spiritual gifts. In 1 Corinthians chapter 14, there are the regulations of those same gifts. In chapter 13, is given over to nothing but love. I believe that, that that was done that way because when you get to the gifts of the Spirit and the regulations of the gifts of the Spirit, you've got to have a lot of love to understand what's happening when things happen. At the close of the regulation of the utterance gifts, tongues, interpretation of tongues, and prophecy, let it be by two or the most by three, and that in course. The next verse after the prophecy, it says, the spirits of the prophets are subject to the prophets. A man stood in the pulpit one day and he looked down at the second row and there was a couple that seemed to be happy but God said through revelation knowledge they're going to get a divorce they're contemplating a divorce and the immediate thought in the preacher's mind was, I will talk to them after church. And God said, leave them alone and pray. Wisdom. Two gifts. Revelation knowledge said they're contemplating a divorce. Wisdom said, pray for them, but don't speak to them. The next year, the preacher was invited back, and there sitting in the same spot was that couple. At the conclusion of the service, he went down and he grabbed the man by the hand, and he said, Sir, last year when I was here, God said that you were contemplating divorce. He said, We were. And I was going to come and talk to you he said, 
and you would have pushed us over the brink. We were that angry, that frustrated, that set. And the preacher said, but God told me to just pray. And the man said, thank you. We need to let God do what he's going to do. But it's got to be regulated by the word of the Lord. And we've got to trust in God's wisdom that others are also hearing from the Lord and that we are following the prescription of the book. So I'm praying that as we get into this new church, after having been gone for weeks, we're going to be fired up with the Spirit of God and full of the Word of God so that we can be the literal church of the living God. Stand with me, please. Brother Kay, could you bring the oil? Can, would, would someone like to sacrifice a handkerchief? Bring it up. pray for, we, we prayed for pastor at the close of the service last, last week. I'm, I'm glad to report that Mary called and said that he had uh, rested better and one night and he had gotten up and eaten when he had not been eating on a particular day. But they're not going to be able to do any testing until a week from Monday, tomorrow. I have a pastor friend whose wife is in the Montgomery Baptist South Hospital with COVID-19. week before last her heart stopped twice and they were not even attempting to resuscitate her but it started back on her own and today she's off the ventilator a friend of mine Scott Schatzlein who pastors Daystar Church in Northport Alabama had a bleed in his stomach they don't know what caused it they didn't know how to deal with it but by the time they got him into ICU, it had pretty well sealed itself up, and they were just waiting, and today Scott's home divinely healed by the power of God. It's all God. I trust him to do what he does best. Would you anoint that? handkerchief you have right there you, you this is this is something found in the book of acts now do this one where paul cut up his apron 
sent it out as prayer cloths, anointed, and people were healed. So we're going to pray right now, and 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 then if, if you'll just put them on the top steps. If if any of you want to come by and just stand and pray over these afterward as a point of contact, any two agree as touching any one thing, it shall be done. <laughs>